The proliferation of conspiracy theories in recent years led Barack Obama to write in 2020, quote, if we do not have the capacity to, to distinguish what's true from what's false, then by definition, the marketplace of ideas doesn't work, and by definition, our democracy doesn't work. In his latest book, Conspiracy, Why the Rational Believe the Irrational, best-selling author and founding publisher of Skeptic magazine, Michael Shermer, looks into who believes conspiracy theories and why, which ones are real, and what we should do about the ones that are false. It's published by Johns Hopkins University Press and brings Dr. Shermer to our show now. Welcome. Thanks for having me. Nice to talk to you. You say that when you saw the video of a middle-aged man named Kevin Seafried walking across the rotunda in the Capitol Building Dome in, on January 6th, uh, proudly waving a large Confederate flag representing bigotry and hate, you couldn't help but wonder what went wrong with this man's beliefs. But hadn't your team at Skeptic Magazine been covering that kind of person since you began publishing in 1992? Indeed, yes, that that is that is definitely in our wheelhouse. It's more of a literary tool to get the reader to imagine that video again and ask themselves, "What is this guy thinking?" And it's not just that video. I mean, just you know, it, most of those home videos. Or, I mean, a lot of people were posting their own videos about it. And, you know, far from trying to keep it a secret, as some can, you know, seditious conspiracy as as that uh, uh, Oath Keepers guy just got yesterday. Uh, most of them are in there taking selfies and posting them on their Facebook page. And you know, I don't know what they thought they were going to do. Like, you know, how, okay, we break in there and we get rid of Mike Pence and Nancy Pelosi. Now what? <laughs> you know, it's they, they don't know how to run a government, right? So. I that so so that's my entryway into thinking about beliefs and what people mean when they say they believe something and in in this case I think it's more of a tribal belief you know this is you know we we are mega republicans the boss told us to get down there and be strong so I don't know what we're going to do but we're going down there you know this is our 1776 moment's going to be epic uh and and so but you know people don't really think those things through very carefully. Well, are we seeing more of them? We've had conspiracy theories related to the JFK assassination, 9-11, trutherism, Obama birtherism, QAnon, and, and Pizzagate, in which Hillary Clinton was accused of running a satanic pedophile ring out of a Washington, D.C. pizzeria. And the, the <laughs> marchers at Charlottesville chanted, the Jews will not replace us. Yeah, it's uh, it's crazy. And the availability heuristic leads us to think, you know, uh, that that whatever we're experiencing this week is is some kind of upward trend. In fact, conspiracy theories have been with us since the founding of the Republic. Uh, you know, there's lots of data from historians of, you know, people at the turn of the 20th century. Right. So, so just think 1900 or so worried about the Jews, not just the Jews, who've always been a target of conspiracy theories, but the Catholics and the Mormons were somehow involved in manipulating elections. And, you know, there's always been kind of a, a you know, anti-Catholicism streak in American Vatican politics. conspiracy theories. Yes, that fuels them. I mean, remember uh, JFK had to give a speech about how he was not going to let the Pope run America, which is a conspiracy theory. Oh, if he's a, he's Catholic, if he's elected president, then the Pope's going to be running the country. It's a crazy conspiracy theory in a way. So they've always been with us. The the, the thing that's new is, uh, is the Internet uh, fuels the speed at which they can spread rather than, you know, like JFK assassination conspiracists uh, used to meet in hotel rooms with a few dozen people, you know, conference rooms, and then, you know, print their little newsletters on mimeograph machines and, you know, they just couldn't reach that many people. 
but now you can reach millions, you know, instantly in real time with your own web page and podcast and blog and make your own homemade films. You know, uh, uh, the, the quality of documentary films now just shot with cheap cameras is amazing. You know, like Loose Change was the first uh, viral video. Uh, and that was about 9-11 truthism. And, you know, it was just full of just nonsense. But, you know, there was like 200 little items in there. And if, you know, watching it, you think, well, gee, if only, you know, 10% of these are true. Wow, there's something big going on here. And, you know, it's it's so that's what's different. But so you can only wonder what would have happened in the past when fluoridated water, for example, or the notions that the Sandy Hook massacre was an intentional, what was intentional, uh, uh, those things would have even gained more uh, power and coverage? Probably. I mean, the fluoridation thing was kind of a conspiracy theory in the 50s and 60s. Um, and it, it might have had the effect then that, say, the anti-vaxxers have now of planting seeds of doubt about vaccines. By the way, I've always been curious, why is there no antibiotic hesitancy? Why are there no conspiracy theories about antibiotics and these big pharmas trying to poison us with these antibiotics? It's a weird thing. It's something about vaccines because of needles and injecting a, a, a portion of the disease you don't want to get to ready your body, even though that's not what the COVID-19 vaccines do. Uh, but, but there's something about that that fuels conspiracism more than uh, than other medical treatments well, do. I've just been notified about a film that says that antibiotics have both a positive and a negative effect because we are killing off quite a bit of bacteria that is positive as well as the negative oh, well that, bacteria. Yeah, that may be true. That's a different effect, though. <laughs> I'm talking about just like vaccine denial, you know, the vaccine mm -hmm. denial or, or hesitancy kind of thing. That That's more political. Well, you know, why is there... Why are, other medical treatments not subject to the same kind of conspiracism. There is something about vaccines that freaks people out. Haven't there been some very real conspiracies in the past? Lincoln was assassinated by a conspiracy. And in the 50s through the 1970s, the CIA uh, was spying, manipulating elections in foreign countries, assassinating foreign leaders, and even giving U.S. citizens LSD without their consent or knowledge. Were they serious conspiracies? <laughs> yes, indeed. Those are all examples of, uh, of real conspiracies. I, I discuss those in the book under the, uh, the, the rubric of uh, constructive conspiracism. That is, there's a kind of rationality to believing conspiracy theories are more likely to be true than false because enough of them have been true. You know, government agencies and major corporations and uh, other powerful people and, and, and organizations really do conspire. It's usually not some, you know, global takeover. Uh, you know, we want to rule the world. It's not that. It's usually like, well, we want to make a profit <laughs> or we want to get a bill passed or we want to, uh, you or know, be elected. Get, For be example, LBJ's yes. 1948 Senate race was rigged, wasn't it? Well, yes, there was, I guess, uh, from what I've read, that that was a, a genuine conspiracy and not just some uh, random ra noise there. that was one that there. worked out well for the United States. <laughs> yes, I guess so, right? So the you know, CAA helping to rig elections in South American countries to favor fascist dictators over communist dictators under the rubric, he's a son of a bitch, but he's our son of a bitch rather than the other guy, the other country's son of a bitch, right? So th there's some of that. And, uh, 
you know, if you look at um, like the FBI's COINTEL program, the counterintelligence program, COINTEL Pro, uh, in which they penetrated various what we would now call social justice groups, really just um, civil rights uh, activists and groups from the Black Panthers and the American Indian movement to feminist groups, all the way up to Martin Luther King. Uh, and his a group of civil rights activists in which um, they famously gave him a letter uh, suggesting he take his life or else they were going to blackmail him. They were going to release the tapes. They had made audio tapes of his um, sexcapades in hotel rooms and they were going to they, they were basically blackmailing. This is the FBI. J. Edgar Hoover signed off on this. This is our government doing these things. You know, without congressional approval or knowledge or, you know, no no judge signed off on that. Yes, it's OK. Uh, you know, this is the whole all the way up to the um, the NSA, you know, warrantless wiretapping, essentially this, you know, warrantless surveillance of uh, American citizens all the way up through Obama's administration. You know, he, he promised transparency. OK, well, I think what happens. Here's another conspiracy theory. When you get elected president, they take you in the back room and they go, OK, here's what's actually going on. Oh, Oh, I can't close Gitmo. No, no, I can't pull the troops out of Iraq. Man, I can't do that. Here's why. Oh, no. <laughs> right. So I think there's enough of that that really does go on. No wonder people are suspicious. And I, can I throw out a few more? Medical yeah, please. professionals have intentionally harmed patients in their care in Tuskegee. Our government has lied to us about Watergate, Iran, Contra, Afghanistan. Richard Nixon and other politicians really did conspire to cover up the Watergate break in. Yep. Yeah. And the list goes on and on. It's and, astonishing. It's assassinating and, and, foreign leaders. You know, until uh, 1984, I think it was when Reagan uh, passed that law about it's illegal to assassinate foreign leaders. Why do you need a law to ban that? <laughs> if you, you know, Because we were doing it. That's why. Well, you said that the most <laughs> consequential conspiracy of the 20th century was the assassination of Archduke Ferdinand, which led to World War One. Yes, exactly. So these things do go on. This was a group of Serbian nationalists that didn't like Austria-Hungary uh, kind of lording over the, uh, their country. And so and, and they, they get word of the, the, you know, the Archduke, the, the heir apparent to the Austria-Hungarian Empire was coming to town. Let's kill him. And they did. And, you know, this was a group, I don't know, like half a dozen guys, and they had to each meet in secret at some place. You got this designated house you have to go to to get your weapons. And you know, here's the code word and on and on. It, it just it didn't go well. I mean, it goes as most conspiracy th theories go, you know, incompetence, chance, randomness. Uh, you know, one some, somebody changed their mind. Somebody else chickened out. Somebody was incompetent, went to the wrong house. Uh, you know, the, the hand grenade didn't work. The cyanide poisoning uh, that they took afterward didn't work. One guy jumped into a river to drown himself, and it was too shallow. Um, you know, that the, the, the hand grenade that was tossed at Franz Ferdinand's open convertible car bounced off the trunk and rolled under the car behind them and exploded, harmed the people behind them. Franz Ferdinand escapes, goes and gives his little speech, and then decides to drive to the hospital to see how his comrades were doing and took the same parade route. And he's in again in this convertible open coupe that had no reverse, and the driver went the wrong uh, up a one way street the wrong way, so he had to put it in neutral and back down to get back onto the road to go in the right direction. And one of the assassins, this guy, eighteen uh, year old Gabriel Princep, was his name. He was just sitting there, despondent, eating a sandwich from a deli, and he's got his pistol in his pocket. And there's Franz Ferdinand, like five feet away in a convertible car, just sitting there trying to back up in neutral. And it's like, oh, okay, thank you very much. Bam, dead. That's how things usually go. 
<laughs> you well, know, aren't the conspiracy theories that have gained popularity recently, like Donald Trump stopped the steel conspiracy, different from those in the past in that their adherents require little or no proof? Yeah, so, yeah, okay, two things. One, right, the, the new conspiracism by Trump, uh, it, which is the conspiracy theory without the theory. There's no, there's no attempts at making an argument. You know, he just says, rigged. And everybody, his followers all know what that means and are, are crooked, <laughs> crooked Hillary or, uh, you know, lion Ted. He, he doesn't have to give any examples. He just he just declares it. And if pressed, he'll say, well, a lot of people are saying you know, people are saying what people? Oh, a lot of people, you know, name one. <laughs> right. And there's no attempt at that. Even the flat earthers who I've engaged with, they have arguments. You know, they'll they'll spend hours with me, you know, explaining why the earth is flat. And they have, you know, illustrations and then run for and Senate. Yeah, that's right. Yes, exactly. Right. So the new conspiracism is is you just declare it to be the way it is and, and you don't have to give evidence. But that but the but that's, some of that's, the other that stuff, leads like, us look, to the subtitle of your book, Why the Rational Believe the Irrational. Yeah, so my argument is that there's a kind of uh rationality to believing conspiracy theories are true, even when they're not, because enough of them are true that it pays to be safe than sorry. Uh, assume that probably corporations and government agents and other powerful people are probably doing something. Uh, I don't know what it is, but I'm going to be suspicious. That's not irrational because enough of them are true. My guest on today's Leonard Lopate at Large is Michael Shermer, whose latest book is Conspiracy, Why the Rational Believe the Irrational, published by Johns Hopkins University Press. This is WBAI New York, 99.5 FM, and streaming live at WBAI.org. Shouldn't we be concerned that 147 members of Congress voted in favor of objections to the 2020 presidential election based on the, the false assertion that the uh, electoral process had been rigged? I think a lot of that is what I call tribal conspiracism. They're just going along with what the, the, the tribe believes at the moment. The moment you get a majority that flips the other way, most of them will go that direction. I think uh, the way it's going for Trump after the uh, disastrous dinner with Yi and that uh, white supremacist, uh, I think he may be doomed. <laughs> It'll be somebody like uh, DeSantis or somebody else that comes to the front for the 2024. I think as soon as that happens, which could be in the next few weeks to months, um, the whole rigged election conspiracy theory of 2020 uh, will go away. I think the vast majority of well, we we pretty much know the lead GOP uh, people. They don't believe that. They're just saying it because the boss is saying it and they don't want to get denounced by Trump because then they'll get primaried. And that's exactly what happened with Liz Cheney. Right. Everybody's with two eyes can look at that and go, well, I'm keeping my mouth shut. And if asked, I'm going to try not to answer. And if I have to answer, I'll say, yeah, yeah, there was something fishy about Arizona. And uh, yeah, maybe that was rigged, you know, just to just so they don't get denounced by Trump. I think the moment that flips, everybody's going to oh, I never really believed it, you know, and of course, the election process is good. And you know, I, I think we'll we'll get there. But it's still happening. It's continuing today with the gubernatorial election in Arizona, in which Carrie yes, Lake right, is right. claiming that Katie Hobbs stole the election and rigged it. Yep. Well, she's a MAGA Republican, and that's what they say. <laughs> so it's a <laughs> matter their, of people's political viewpoints that's, making that's them more or less likely to be drawn to certain conspiracy theories? 
In this case, yes, absolutely. It's it's pure political tribalism. In the same way that uh, black Americans are more likely to think that the CIA also, in, in addition to the other things they did, you know, planted uh, crack cocaine in inner cities or invented HIV to kill, decimate black populations. Same way, uh, white Americans are more likely to think the government's conspiring to take away their guns and cancel the Second Amendment. FEMA's well, building uh, Not this white am- American, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I don't have white, a gun. White conservative Americans, uh-huh. let's put it that way, uh, or uh, maybe that's not that's too broad a brush, right? Because you know there's tens of millions of conservatives, so maybe it's the mega conservatives, the far right, something like that. The problem is we have a, a very black and white view of American politics, and it's not really that black and white. Well, after the election, two thirds of Republicans said they believe President Biden is illegitimate. Do you think uh, it's that those numbers have held up? Well, they have held up. Yes. Again, and uh, uh, I think two thirds of, of Republicans. Yeah. That's how many millions of people do we know? Yeah, I know. I know. Well, yeah, tens of millions. Yes, it's it's huge. It's but again, did they really believe it? You know, they just tell a poster. You take a box on a pole. Do they really believe it in the same way they believe? Uh, I don't know the germ theory of disease or whatever. Just pick pick anything. Uh, probably not. Again, it's kind of a proxy for something else, or it's what our tribe believes. Um, they they just say they believe it just in case, you know, if I took you to the Comet Ping Pong Pizzeria and show you Hillary's not there running a pedophile ring, it's not like you were going to vote for Hillary anyway. Uh, I mean, you were never going to vote for her. So uh, it's a stand in. It's they don't really believe it. It's just like, well, I just don't like those Democrats or those libtards. You know, we're going to own them. And or, I don't like the Clintons. I don't trust them. You know, it's a it's a proxy for something deeper and in in kind of a foundational belief. But isn't another major aspect of conspiratorial theory the assertion that nothing happens by accident, everything is connected, and there are no coincidences? Indeed, yeah. The human mind did not evolve to grasp chance, randomness, and coincidences. Everything that happens looks like a pattern to us. You know, stars in the sky are randomly distributed, but they look like scorpions and horses and dippers big and small and so on. That's what randomness looks like. It's clustered. Gamblers have the hardest time understanding randomness of of roulette wheels and cards and so on. They feel like, well, red's come up six times in a row, so black is due. Or red has come up six times in a row, so I'm on a hot streak. I'll keep betting. So, but, but both things can't be true. And the fact is, roulette wheels don't have a me- they don't have a memory device to keep track. It's just randomness. And my favorite story about that is uh, the introduction of the iPod Shuffle, of randomly playing your music for you from your your music set. You know, people complain it's not random. Certain songs come up more than others. That's randomness. If every song came up exactly the same number of times over the course of our, you'd have to program that in, which they eventually did. <laughs> so if you ask subjects to flip a coin in their head and write down heads and tails, uh, how you think it would be random, they they write heads, tails, heads, tails, heads, tails, maybe two heads, two tails. But in fact, real coin flips are streaky and clustery. There's like four or five heads in a row and then six or seven tails in a row. And, you know, that's we just don't grasp that. So much of conspiracy theories, uh, things that happen in the world are random, but they look to us clustered in some kind of meaningful pattern. And then we put a conspiracy behind it.
But then, uh, as we pointed out, there are other factors. You, you cite Skeptic Society polling research that shows that one in five Americans believe that the government, media, and financial worlds in the United States are controlled by Satan-worshipping pedophiles. <laughs> uh, the, I guess those are the, the QAnon people, That's right? That's the QAnon Tw- pizza gate, yeah. Uh, 20% yeah. of Americans are now yeah. believe yeah. that the government is running a global child sex tra- trafficking operation? Again, I, I find a hard – I could hear the uh, skepticism in your voice, and I share that. Do they really believe it in the same way they believe something else, like the, the money in my bank account will be there tomorrow or you know, whatever? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think they're just kind of saying they believe it because it's what our tribe believes to stand in for something else. In the same way that people tell posters um, that Princess Diana was probably murdered – and she faked her death, right? There's a famous paper on this, and I was uh, a poll that people that ticked the box for Princess Diana faked her, uh, uh, was murdered also believe she faked her death. Well, they can't believe the same both of people. Those same people. They, they can't, in their own minds, they can't possibly believe she's both dead and alive, right? So there's something else. It's a, you know, it's again, it's a stand in for, you know, I don't trust authorities or I don't trust what the government tells me, I don't trust the official story of anything. So whatever it is, they're going to just it's kind of a a, a stand in for some larger um, I don't, I don't want to call it paranoia, but just distrust of, of authorities, whether it's corporations or government agencies. Well, it can't just be that conservatives believe conspiracies, but didn't one in four Americans believe that 9-11 was an inside job by the Bush administration, the Republican administration? Where did that yes, come from? those were those were more uh, liberals that believed that conspiracy. Mm-hmm. So Obama birtherism was more of a, a, a conservative conspiracy theory, and uh, the nine eleven truthism is more of a liberal conspiracy theory. So politics is a proxy, also as a predictor, not not perfectly, but but you know again, you know age, education, political orientation, religious beliefs. So on these are all factors in conspiracism, but no one of them predicts everything. You divide different types of conspiracies into categories of study, proxy conspiracies, tribal conspiracies, and constructive conspiracies. So let's talk about them. What are proxy conspiracies? Well, like the ones we've been talking about here, I think the, um, uh, the you know, the kind of Pizzagate, QAnon thing, they're so out there. They're so ridiculous. It just can't be true. But but so when somebody says they believe it, I think it's, it's a, a proxy for something else. Again, they don't like Democrats or Hillary or whatever. My type specimen there was the OJ trial. You know, OJ was acquitted of murdering his wife and her friend, Ron Goldman, for a conspiracy theory that it was uh, the the LAPD planted the bloody glove and the other evidence. And 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 the jury believed the conspiracy theory or they they did something. Okay, so the the fact they're kind of the fact is that the history of the LAPD and the African American community in Los Angeles and Southern California is not good. You know, in the nineteen fifties, sixties, watch that documentary on ESPN, OJ in America. You know, they tracked the history of police relations with the black community in LA, going back to the nineteen fifties, and it's pretty bad. I mean, they did plant evidence. You know, they they were they were racist. They were discriminatory. And so, you know, in the O.J. trial, the, the one guy, Mark Furman, probably used the N-word, uh, probably was a racist. You know, who knows what's in somebody's heart. But, you know, there's there's enough there from history that that particular conspiracy theory uh, rang true for the largely African-American jury. So I think a lot of that goes on 
and our and conspiracy theories. And will we ever find out what really is the truth of that situation? <laughs> Who really killed <laughs> Nicole Brown Simpson? Yeah, OJ's. Was on there the case. a conspiracy or wasn't there? <laughs> He's OJ's going to find out who really killed his wife, right? <laughs> uh, will we ever find out? Well, you know, I think again, we're not deities. We're not omniscient. Nobody knows everything, right? So the entire criminal justice system is based on making a decision uh, under uncertainty. So this is why we have tons of rules of evidence and what could be presented, what can't be presented to a jury, how it's presented, you know, what expert witnesses are allowed to testify or not. And, you know, eyewitnesses, are they reliable or not? No, they're not. So you have to have some other evidence and so on. It's all designed around this problem of human cognition. We don't know anything for sure. So you have to, it's a signal detection problem. Is it, is that signal really a no hit or is it just random noise? Hard to tell. Right. So you have to make a decision. That's why we have rationality and reason and science is to help us through that problem. So another one that I mentioned was tribal conspiracies. Yeah, here I'm, I'm after, um, again, things like the rigged election conspiracy theory as an example of, you know, people saying they believe it because everybody else believes it. So this is called pluralistic ignorance or the spiral of silence where everybody thinks everybody else thinks something, even though they don't. And we don't have common knowledge where we can communicate with each other uh, to find out if everybody actually believes it. Right. So that's why you have to have free speech in a liberal democracy where people can speak out and say, no, that's wrong or no, I don't believe that. And it's OK not to believe it. And then people will be more honest in their appraisal of of things. And and so when there's no free press or there's a cancel culture or there's a kind of a, a silencing of people like in China or Russia, then uh, people can hold beliefs that that they think everybody else believes. They don't really believe it, but they're just going to go along with it, keep their mouth shut, keep the head down and try not to get canceled or jailed. Uh, yeah, that's a problem. So I think a lot of conspiracy theories or anything you know, the entire, uh, you know, entire uh, autocratic regime can be held aloft for years in a country in which uh, everybody thinks everybody else likes this autocrat, but they don't. But they don't know that every, no, everybody else doesn't like the guy because there's no way to communicate because <laughs> the free speech has been canceled. The media is controlled. And that's a problem. But there also can be linked to a wide range of things, political, religious, social and tribal identities. Yes, here again, I think you're signaling to your fellow tribe members, I am so loyal to our party, I'm willing to publicly state I believe this completely crazy idea that Hillary Clinton is running a secret satanic pedophile ring out of a pizzeria. Well, you know, one Until guy somebody even, went into the basement and found yeah. out that there wasn't even a basement. <laughs> right, right. Edgar Welch went there with his gun. And we know what he was thinking because he made a video. You can watch it on YouTube, uh, which he's in, he's explaining to his daughters who were asleep. You know, he left, took three and a half hours to drive there at Comet Ping Pong Pizzeria in Washington, D.C. And he's making a recording. I'm going in. This is a crime. It's horrible. No one's doing anything about it. I'm going to do something about it. Then he gets there and's like, oh, OK, whoops. And he went to jail for shooting the place up. No one was hurt, thankfully. He believed it. But the average person isn't going to do that. Um, and, and so they don't really believe it in the same way Edgar Welch did. I think they're saying, yeah, I don't know about the pizza thing, but, you know, I don't like those liberals, those Democrats, those Clintons. You know, it's more of a kind of public statement to that. And the crazier the conspiracy theory, the more loyal you are 
by publicly signaling it. So this is called costly signaling theory. You you do something that would be, um, you know, uh, a, a kind of a signal to your group. I'm willing to state this completely crazy thing or do this completely crazy thing to show how loyal I am. Including I think taking people, a gun. Yeah. To, to some of the people, people on January 6th are probably motivated that way. That's very tribal. Right. The boss told us to go down there and be strong. So we're going to go, we're going to march down there. He's going to be with us. He said so. <laughs> I didn't know he was going to go home and watch TV. But um, well, he uh, wanted to go. They wouldn't take him. <laughs> yeah, that's right. The Secret Service. Right. That's true. OK. Um, I, mean, I, I don't I don't mean to defend Donald Trump, but he actually had wanted to be there and he was prevented from being there. I think that's yeah, that's yeah, that's the latest version we have. OK, fine. <laughs> uh, uh, but 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 in any case, uh, you know, what were those people thinking back to where we started this conversation? You know, that the, they hadn't thought it through, you know, like it's OK, we, we, we hang Mike Pence and we kill Nancy Pelosi. We take over Congress. Now what? I don't think anybody had a plan like, OK, we're going to do even the, oh, oh, the that oath. um Oath Keepers guy mm-hmm. that was convicted yesterday of of um, uh, seditious conspiracy, you know, back to conspiracies. That is a conspiracy. It's right. You can read the law. You know, if you if you secretly conspire to take over the U.S. government, you're in trouble. Well, the man <laughs> yeah. who came to dinner with Donald Trump, this uh, white nationalist, whatever, he says that he wanted to eliminate democracy. He he, he believes in a dictatorship. Right. So there it's less of a conspiracy because it's, it's out in the open. Mm-hmm. Right. Conspiracy theories are uh, ideas about uh, that. There's people. a secret thing going on. Right. It's a secret thing. Right. So if you're open about it, uh, you know, like evangelicals that are knocking on people's doors or Jehovah Witnesses, there's no conspiracy mm-hmm. to, uh, to to get more members. They're doing it right out in the open. We want you to join our group. <laughs> That's not a conspiracy. Volkswagen cheating the emission standards in, in, in the EU, EU emission standards, that's a conspiracy. You know, mm-hmm. they, and, but again, not to take over the world or whatever, but, but to get, get an unfair advantage, make more money. You know, that's, that, that kind of thing goes on all the time. And the, the third uh, type is constructive conspiracies, which are the ones that have a strong basis in ra- rationality. We've talked about them. Is there anything we should add? Yes. Well, I think in general— um, there's more ways for things to go wrong than go right in your life. So it pays to be a little more focused on negative things and cautious uh, just in case. Um, and so that's called the negativity bias. You'll notice most conspiracy theories uh, have a negative valence to them. It's not like somebody's plotting in secret to make the world a slightly better place today than tomorrow. <laughs> that's, not a, that's, not, that's not a compelling story. It's that, you know, somebody's conspiring to harm us or hurt our country or, or, or uh, you know, harm me. And, and there's a reason for that, because there are so many more ways for things to go wrong than right. Uh, and so our cognition is focused on negative things. So we notice negative things more. You can get social media is a fun example. You know, you get you, you tweet something and you get, you know, you get 100 likes and and one nasty comment. It's like, who is that guy? You, you can't help but not noticing that nasty one more than the others. Right. It would take probably 100 positive comments to to erase the one negative one. And that's a, that's kind of a typical um, cognitive problem we have, but 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 there's kind of a rationality to it um, that it pays to be a little paranoid, 
<laughs> not too much where it destroys your life. You can't, you know, go to work and maintain a regular life. But, you know, you should be a little cautious because you never know. You're listening to Leonard Lopez at Large on WBAI New York 99.5 FM and streaming live at WBAI.org. I hope you're enjoying my conversation with Michael Shermer. If you sign up to become a member of WBAI during today's show with a contribution of $50 or more, you can receive a free copy of his book, Conspiracy, Why the Rational Believe the Irrational. To do that, just go online to give to WBAI.org or call 212-209-2950 during today's show. We'll be happy to send you a copy. That's give the number 2, WBAI.org, or 212-209-2950. But don't forget uh, to make that $50 donation in the name of Lender Lopez at Large, and we thank you very much. And return to Dr. Michael Shermer. Uh, his book, Conspiracy of Why the Rational Believe the Irrational, is published by Johns Hopkins University Press. He's the publisher of Skeptic Magazine, a presidential fellow at Chapman University, the host of a popular podcast, um, which is called The Michael Shermer Show, and also the Skeptic Substack Weekly columnist. And for 18 years, he was a monthly columnist for Scientific American. He's the author of any number of best-selling books as well. And I'm assuming he's hoping this book will become just the latest of his best-sellers. But um, who do you think is going to want to buy it? Obviously not the the conspiracy theorists. Well, maybe they will because they want to know, uh, you know, how can I convince people mine's true? Well, here's how. I actually have a have a uh, kind of a what I call a conspiracy detection kit to match the baloney detection kit we all use in skepticism. That that is signal detection problem again. But how do you know if the conspiracy theory is true or not? Because some conspiracies are real, some are not. So which of the theories are true, right? So it's really just how do you know anything is real in the world? And so it has to do with how you evaluate evidence. So I have discussions about this in the context of conspiracy theories. You know, you hear one. How should I think about that? You know, and just ask some basic questions like, well, what's the source of this conspiracy? Who's saying this? And do they have any kind of political agenda or religious agenda or ideological agenda? Uh, or are they more neutral in their approach and they think they've just discovered something? And, you know, to, how big is the conspiracy theory? I mean, is it like, you know, global domination or Bill Gates wants to take over the world and uh, or track everybody or control the world population? Is it something big like that or is it? You know, like Volkswagen, they just want to make more money. It's just something they just want to. This politician just wants to win this one election, or our, our country wants our intelligence agency just wants to help this one dictator because they favor them. Is it something specific more likely to be true? The larger it is, the less likely it is to be true. How many people would have to be involved? 
right? You get a couple of people to conspire to do something. And if they're lucky and reasonably competent, they may pull it off. But if you have to have hundreds of people, like 9-11 inside job, hundreds of people would have had to been in the World Trade Center building, planning those explosive devices to intentionally demolish the World Trade Center building, including Building 7 and so on and so on. You know, how is it that all those people got in there and not one of them? Wants to go on your show to tell about, you know, what really happened. Not one of them had a spouse or girlfriend or or, or uh, intimate partner that, you know, knows all about it. And then now they broke up and they want to go uh, write a tell-all book. You know, nobody. There's no documents. There's no paper trail of any of that. You know, very, very, very unlikely. And then finally, how many elements of the conspiracy theory does there need to be? You know, if you have to have hundreds of things come together just at the right time, in the right place... You know, it's very unlikely to be true because that's just not how the world works. Conspiracy theories cut across gender, age, race, income, education level, occupational status, and even political affiliation. And a listener writes, ask your guests if there's a psychological profile of those people who believe in conspiracy theories. There is somewhat, uh, although everybody believes at least one conspiracy theory because, uh, again, enough of them are true. There's a kind of rationality to it. So one of the myths I'm debunking in the book is that the conspiracy theorists are not these tinfoil hat wearing wackadoodle weirdos living in their parents' basement. Uh, no, they're regular people, just like, on again, on January 6th. You know, those were normal Americans that were there. Well, they uh, were they, wearing Confederate Carrying Confederate flags <laughs> yes, right. and, and wearing caps. and wearing swastikas <laughs> right. and doing all sorts right. of other things. They were letting us know. Uh, you've noted that 42 percent of people without a high school diploma score higher than others in having conspiratorial predisposition. Yeah, that's right. So education attenuates conspiracy. Postgraduate degree people only 22 percent. I'm surprised it's even that high. I know one out of five people with a postgraduate degree believe in conspiracy theories. So that tells us, again, something else is going on here uh, in which it's not it, it's not a matter of you're smart so you don't believe conspiracy theories. No, in fact, really smart, educated people, if anything, are going to be, going to be better at rationalizing beliefs they hold for non-smart reasons. Are some people more attracted to a specific kind of conspiracy or are most conspiracy theorists open to them all? Uh, well, it depends on the conspiracy theory, right? So if it orients toward uh, your political party, your religion, your ideology, then you're more likely to favor it. It's called my side bias. Uh, you're you're going to be less critical of the details of it. If it's somebody else's conspiracy theory, your uh, people actually all of a sudden become really good skeptics <laughs> at picking apart the evidence and arguments made in a particular case. Famous research on uh, healthcare. Uh, programs, uh, if you tell a Republican this health care policy or program, uh, reform program was written by uh, Democrats, they'll, they'll pick it apart and show why it's, it's, it's wrong and it's not good. But if you tell them it's written by a Republican, they'll like it. They won't see the problems in it and, and vice versa. So political orientation like that uh, affects how not, not doesn't make us irrational. We just don't employ our rational faculties as well. So that's an example of that. Well, do you think that uh, situations like uh, the recent uh, court decisions uh, involving Alex Jones will affect some of the people who believe the conspiracy theories? Uh, well, I think that particular one, the false flag, Sandy Hook false flag conspiracy theory, I, th I think is so out there 
that again, even if people were ticking the box for it uh, just because they'd heard it, they didn't know anything about it, I think are less likely to believe it now, given the, the you know, the cost to Alex Jones of that. Well, no, some people were threatening uh, the, the victim's parents. Yes. So my question is this. They were believers. Yes, they were believers. Why are they not being held accountable? They're the ones that were harassing the parents, not Alex Jones. He's just sitting in a studio in Austin, you know, shooting his mouth off. You know, why is he accountable? But 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 they're not. Well, I guess there was one woman who actually went on some in somebody's home or whatever, and she was arrested. But but most of them are just out with their bullhorns on the street or whatever. And maybe there's nothing illegal about doing that. I don't know. Well, do you should uh, people be punished for spreading false theories? Well, I'm I'm pretty strong on free speech, so I I, I hesitate to censor people because then you have to have a censorship board and people that decide which ideas are right or wrong, and that's can be tricky in the gray areas. I mean, pick something ridiculous like the Sandy Hook false flag. Conspiracy theory, yeah, that's, you know, okay, we should ban that. All right. How about, you know, ISIS doing recruiting on Twitter? Yeah, we should ban that. You know, but if I say, or maybe Holocaust deniers. I mean, I wrote a whole book about Holocaust. I don't like these guys. They're wrong, and they're anti-Semites and so on. But if I say, you know, I'm not so sure about how many Native Americans died in the, you know, the genocide over the course of, 400 years from 1492 to say the late 19th century when the West was closed, you know, how many died if, and you know, it's maybe one person. So I think it was 90 million. I'm giving you some Mm -hmm. uh, actual estimates. The the, the range varies widely. So, you know, it's, it was 10 million. It was 50 million. It was 90 million. No one knows for sure. But if I say, I don't think it was, I think it was like 1 million. Am I a a, a denier? Am I a Holocaust denier? You, You know, should I be censored for saying that? This is what worries me. Uh, uh, you know, I, it's Alex Jones is an easy target, but once you set the system up to censor those people, what about people that are not crazy like him? They're just curious and they're just asking questions that should be okay, I think, for the most part. And again, if you're actually harming somebody, if you're going to somebody's house and harassing them to the point where they have to move, why aren't those people being held accountable? That's what I want to know. My guest on today's Leonard Lopate at Large is Dr. Michael Shermer. His latest book, Conspiracy, Why the Rational Believe the Irrational, published by Johns Hopkins University Press. This is WBAI New York, 99.5 FM, and streaming live at WBAI.org. It can be frustrating for people who believe something that may that is true, like global warming. How do you uh, convince the skeptics that it is real, and is that just the flip side of of uh, conspiracy theory thinking? Well, yes, that's again a kind of a political or proxy belief uh, or tribal belief. You know, the a, a predictor of somebody's acceptance or rejection of climate uh, change is their political orientation. That's the number one. Uh, if you are Republican, you're more likely to be skeptical of climate science than if you're a Democrat. If you're a Christian conservative even more so um and you know so religion but mainly it's mainly politics not religion as a predictor for that but uh you know say gmo hesitancy or or people that are anti-nuclear power uh they're liberals they're mostly liberals conservatives are more open to those things than are liberals so political orientation uh, kind of directs which conspiracy theories or which beliefs in general that you hold or don't hold or you're skeptical of or not irregardless of you know, the arguments themselves, the evidence, how, how well you can evaluate the evidence. 
because the like say climate science i mean most of us don't know much about it at all I, i'm not a climate scientist what do i know you know i've read, read some popular books on it but i can't read the technical papers because that's not my field so i i trust that climate scientists although they're flawed human beings like everybody else uh, mostly get it right through that kind of competitive combative nature of science where you you float your hypothesis and your colleagues shoot it down but maybe they can't shoot yours down because you have good evidence and in time you convince them that you're right and your theory about anthropogenic global warming say turns out to be true it, despite the skeptics over the decades and and it's kind of comes to a consensus and so when i see that played out i can i can say yeah okay i i accept it now i'm not saying it based on authority i'm not it's not a democracy where we vote uh, about people's opinions about climate. It's that I, I have confidence that the system works pretty well to get it right most of the time, while, of course, always keeping an open mind. Well, aren't some conspiracy theories totally outrageous? For instance, you cite a survey where 12% of the respondents said they believe that, quote, reptilian aliens occupy positions of significant power and influence in the U.S. government and media. And another 22% said they're uncertain whether that's true or false. Yeah, that's right. a lot of 22. I know. That's I a know, lot of people. I know. It's crazy. It's completely crazy. 12% uh, of the U.S. It, population. Yeah, that's many yeah, millions yeah. of people. Okay, we have to remember here. They may be that, my neighbors. Okay, you have to remember that you know that that you know, fifty million Americans were not surveyed, right? It's it's a sample size, usually of somewhere between one thousand and three thousand people. Like for my survey, I report in the book. We, you know, we collected data on it was three thousand one hundred and fifty people, and and that costs a lot of money. It cost me about twenty five thousand dollars to to c conduct that s study because they actually you hired these companies that actually call people up on the phone and mm -hmm. ask them their opinions about things, and and you know, to collect that data is very labor intensive. So all social science data like that that we're talking about is self report data. I don't know what's going on in somebody's mind when they tell a pollster, yeah, I think 12, I think, you know, reptilian aliens are running the world. I, ha I have to think they don't actually believe that, that they're, they're signaling to the pollster, you know, anything's possible, I guess. I don't really believe what the government tells me. I don't trust authorities. I think it's more along those lines. Well, how do we go about debunking them when they're uh, when the conspiracy is obviously false. You have a conspiracy detection kit, don't you? <laughs> yeah, so first of all, don't use that word debunking and don't don't debunk because n no one likes to think they they believe in bunk. I mean, they don't. People don't believe bunk. They don't. It, it, Even the, the bunk beds I, that I had to sleep in yeah. when I was a kid? <laughs> Very good. <laughs> I like to say no one in the history of the world has ever joined a cult. Uh -huh. They join They join a group that they think is going to be good. Uh -huh. you know, even it's the, a, the outsider who calls it a cult. It, that's right. It's a pejorative term. But uh, even if you take someone like Jim Jones's, uh, you know, crazy uh, Jonestown in Guyana where they all drank the Kool-Aid, uh, it, it, that that isn't how it happens. No one joined that group. They joined this, you know, kind of liberal, a tolerant, um, ecumenical religious leader in the San Francisco area who in the 1970s 
uh, was the first to integrate a, a Christian church. And he was, uh, you know, working with the homeless and manning the soup kitchens. You can see pictures of Jim Jones and Jerry Brown. The, when Jerry Brown was governor of California the first time, there he is with Jim Jones. And they're like, they get both got shovels and they're starting some new homeless shelter or whatever. I mean, it was people joined that group because it's like, look, they, they have black, they're allowing blacks in the church and women have more rights. This is going to be great. We're social justice warriors. We're going to help the poor. And that's the group people join, not not the not the crazy cult in Guyana that drinks the Kool-Aid. But so the same thing. No one believes a conspiracy theory. There's some crazy idea and not really true. They think it's on some level that, that there's some truth to it. And so that, that's how I think about that. Well, you're suggesting that people kind of slip into it. Yeah, gradually. So what advice do you have for people who find themselves talking with a conspiracy theorists. Well, first of all, do talk to them with respect. They keep an open mind. And and there's several tools of communication. One we call steel manning an argument rather than straw manning. Straw manning argument, you repeat somebody's uh, uh, argument in a way that it's easy to refute and they don't actually believe what you're you're saying they believe. Steel manning is the opposite of that. And you, it's, it, it's really simple. Let me get this straight. I, I want to understand what you're saying. Are you arguing... X, Y, Z. And then the person will go, well, no, well, no, not quite. Here's here's what I'm saying. OK, let me let me say it again. And you just keep doing that until the person goes, yes, that that is exactly what I'm arguing. Then you respond. OK, that's good. That's interesting. Now, let me see. Uh, and then where do you go from there? Well, you can ask questions. Well, that's really interesting. Uh, how, what's the source of that again? And, and oh, I was on Fox News. Oh, well, OK, might be true. But, you know, Fox News has an agenda in the same way that CNN has an agenda or whoever. And well, okay. CNN is claiming it no longer has one, but MSNBC might have one. Yeah, probably MSNBC would be the better uh, counter to Fox News. But you get my point. Mm -hmm. Um, And and also look at the person and and actually listen to what they say. Most of us, when we're getting in a heated argument, we're not really listening to what the other person says. We're nodding and then waiting for the moment to to jump in and and make our point. Um, If you do that, the other person is going to notice you're not really paying attention. And and that's going to escalate things. And also watch your emotional, uh, modulate your emotions, you know, because if things get heated, you're, it's going to the conversation is going to fall apart pretty fast, you know, and no Godwin's law, you know, which is that in the course of a conversation, if, if it goes on long enough, Hitler and the Nazis will be invoked. You know, don't call the person you're talking to a Nazi or that that's the kind of thing Nazis believe or Hitler believed. Right? The conversation's over. No one's going to no one thinks that they're Nazis. Well, some do, I guess. But some do. The average person, you know, mm. thinks they, they they have reasons for their beliefs. So what are those reasons? Just try to drill down. And also keep in mind, you're you're not likely to change anybody's mind right there on the spot in the same way that, you know, if you're if you hold deep held religious or political beliefs, you're not going to listen to somebody's arguing. Oh, my gosh, you're right. Uh, I guess I'm I'm an atheist now or I'm I'm going to switch from Republican to being a Democrat. That never happens. Almost usually. The best you can hope for is that the person listens and then goes away and thinks about it quietly. And maybe weeks or months later, they change their mind without telling you. Now, you've been thinking about this for quite a while. We're pretty much out of time. But I wanted to point out that you have written other books uh, on similar subjects. One, Why People Believe Weird Things. Another, The Believing Brain. Another, The Moral Arc. All bestsellers. Uh, and people listen to your podcast. Uh do you get a lot of feedback? I do. Yeah, I get a lot of feedback, mostly positive. 
but you know, I, I have my critics, <laughs> mm-hmm. which I embrace. I, I like it. They probably consider you to be a conspiracy theorist of another sort, the wrong kind. It, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Well, so I, you know, my magazine is called Skeptic. So people go, mm-hmm. "All right, you're Mr. Skeptic. Why aren't you skeptical of climate change? Why aren't you skeptical mm-hmm. of vaccines? Or you know, why aren't you skeptical of the zoonomic theory of the origins of SARS-CoV-2 instead of the lab leak?" Well. Okay, you know, so you can be skeptical of climate change or you can be skeptical of the climate change skeptics, right? It it depends on the claim, what the evidence is and so forth. I want to thank you so much for being on our show today. My guest has been Dr. Michael Shermer. His latest book, Conspiracy, Why the Rational Believe the Irrational, published by Johns Hopkins University Press. It's been a real pleasure. Well, my pleasure, too, Leonard. uh, I've, I've listened to you for many years and fan of your your work so thanks for having me on oh i appreciate hearing that uh, although i'm not sure that i could really believe you or not but that's a whole other <laughs> very funny <laughs> all right thank you again and that brings us to the end of our show if you're just discovering this program and would like to hear more of our one hour deep dive interviews you can access our nearly 700 past shows streaming on demand at wbai.org Our podcast, which has surpassed 1 million plays, is available on iTunes, Apple, and everywhere else you get your podcasts. And if you'd like to write to me, my email address is leonardlopate at wbai.org. That's Lopate, L-O-P-A-T-E. Before I sign off today, I need to ask you to support WBAI to keep the station alive and, and this show coming to you weekdays from 1 to 2 p.m. We are asking all of our listeners to make a contribution at whatever level they're comfortable with by calling 212-209-2950 or by going online to give to WBAI.org right now. That's 212-209-2950 or give and then the number 2, WBAI.org. Because we need your help to keep bringing you this unique in-depth content, information you don't usually get anywhere else. And as I mentioned earlier, anyone who makes a contribution of $50 or more in the name of Leonard Lopez at Lodge right now can receive a copy of the book we've been discussing, Conspiracy, Why the Rational Believe the Irrational by Michael Shermer. So why not make that call right now, 212-209-2950, or go online to give to WBAI.org. And I hope you'll consider becoming a sustaining member of WBAI, what we call a BAI buddy, for $10, $5, $15, $20 or more a month. And that provides us with some financial stability. For that, we would love to say thank you with a BAI tote bag if you sign up to become a BAI buddy for $10 a month or more. But either way, we hope that you'll call right now because BAI relies totally on listener donations. We don't take ads or foundation grants, which allows us to be completely free speech radio. So if you tune in regularly to Leonard Lopez at Large, why not let us know that you appreciate what we do on the show by going online to give to WBAI.org or by calling 212-209-2950 to play a part in keeping this historic station. The only one on the New York Radio Dial that's 100% listeners sponsored alive and thriving with your tax-deductible support. And uh, that does it for today's show. Uh, We'll be back later this week, so I hope you'll tune in. This is Leonard Lopate, the show Leonard Lopate at Large. Mm -hmm.